All right, please meet me in chapter 12 of Mark, verses 13 through 17. And while you're meeting me there, I just want to uh, once again just thank God for the privilege. My heart is so full right now, and uh, got to be careful so I don't break out in tears or something like that. But, but ain't nothing wrong with that. We just want to say thank you, God, for all he's been to us. Um, God has been good. And so I'm, I'm just I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for his goodness and his kindness, you know, just a few things around just helping me to, to, to be just grateful this morning. Um, seeing my, my whole family back there, you know, that's always good. And then, uh, you know, I'm always grateful. I, I just also appreciate Pastor Ben allowing me to uh, come and stand before you as, as one of you. I am a lay member like you, and uh, thank God for the elders and the, and, and the pastor allowing me to uh, be up here. Anything I say that don't gel right, just talk to them. You know, don't, don't, don't send me no emails. Don't, no. You know, but I'm grateful for that. I, am, I really am, you know. <laughs> I am grateful. Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm grateful for uh, uh, lift, lift Every Voice and Sing. I, I appreciate that song, Lift Every Voice and Sing. It's, it's, it's known to some as the Black National Anthem. And I know somebody might say, well, why do you need a Black National Anthem? I just want to say that song was representative of, uh, of, of people in this country who at one point uh, were feeling so hopeless, yet... Uh, even it was written way back in the, the early 1900s, and what was significant is that song demonstrated how even through all those hundreds of years, African Americans still were able to hold on to the faith in Jesus Christ. And it was written right over here in Jacksonville, Florida, right over here in Jacksonville, Florida, and uh, and yeah, huh? <laughs> right, right over there in Jacksonville, Florida, right at the high school. It was written as a poem. It was written as a poem, and uh, and then it became a song later on, and so. I'm thankful for that song. Um, I'm thankful for Asunji's prayer. I do pray, appreciate you, Asunji, um, praying for me this morning. And I hope you'll always pray. I try and pray when Pastor Ben's up here, when, when anybody comes up here, when Oscar's up here, whoever's teaching, because I know what it's like. You know, what it, you know when you're standing before a group of people, um, and, and it can be difficult, man. So pray. You know, I, I'd ask you to pray for me, too. And I appreciate you praying, too, um, about me um, as the head of household. I appreciate that, because, um, because, <clears throat> because, 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 because uh, I, I want to tell you, I want to tell you that, that I runs my household, I, I runs mine, I, I want to tell you that, I want to tell you that, I, I, I run the dishwasher, I run, I run the lawnmower, I run, that's, that's what I, I run, really, Lisa's the head of household, so I, I appreciate you praying, and I, Unfortunately, she wasn't in here when you prayed it, and so <laughs> need you to come back and re rerun that back after the service. You know, um, <laughs> she is <laughs> she is uh, the head of household in many ways. So uh, let me let's go into this uh, text here. Prior to this message, as you may know, uh, Pastor Ben has been to, to this message here. Pastor Ben has walked us through the Book of Mark under a series entitled uh, "The Way." Um, the way. And through this series, he's taught us a variety of, of ways to think and live. And, and we, we've been in the book of Mark since September. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. And so since then, Pastor Ben has taught us a variety of ways. He taught us the way of healing and the way of rest. He taught us the way of courage and the way of life, the way of mercy, the way of triumph, and the way, uh, last week, of fruit. Uh, Today, we're going to talk a little bit 
about the way. We're going to continue in that same vein, and I'll give you my topic right here after the text. Matthew chapter, excuse me, Mark chapter 12, verses 13 through 17, and it reads, uh, And they sent to him some of the Pharisees and the Herodians to trap him in his talk. And they came to him and said, Teacher, we know that you are true and do not care about anyone's opinion. For you are not swayed by appearances, but truly teach the way of God. So they asked him a question. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or should we not? But knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, why put me to the test? Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. And they brought one and he said to them, whose likeness and inscription is this? They said to him, Caesar's. Jesus said to them, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at him. And just for a few moments today, using that text, I want to tag this text, the way of giving back. The way of giving back. Now, um, I know Mike won't see it this way, but I'm going to start my 30 minutes right now. <laughs> Mike told me my 30 minutes starts from the time the song ends. So, so <laughs> I'm going to start my 30 minutes now. If you got to come get me, come get me, brother. <laughs> so um, you can find this story online in the Reader's Digest. The odds were stacked against Edna Agwanji's favor from the moment she was born in Kenya. Soon after her arrival in the world, the country entered into an extended area of, dev of devastation and drought that resulted in widespread starvation. On top of that, to say that girls were not prioritized to attend school, as Ajwanji put it, is a polite understatement. Uh, fast forward to a time when things turned around for Ajwanji. Uh, she made it to the United States, where she was able to obtain an education even going as far as to earn her master's in social work. This prepared her to fulfill her life's calling, which she describes as, quote, returning to her home and literally handing out food to young ones. After all, end quote, after all she had been through in her childhood, all Ajwanji wanted to do in her life was to be physically present for the world's poor children. Ajwanji is continuing to make this happen through her work as what, is, what she is as a chief impact officer at Rise Against Hunger, an international hunger relief organization that distributes food, provides life-changing aid to the world's most vulnerable, and, and has committed to ending the world hunger by 2030. They've served over 300 meal, million meals to the hungry. Church, what is the response when someone gives you something? Uh, what is the response when you've been given something? That's the question Jesus answers for us in Mark 12 and 17. What is the response that we should give when someone has given to us? Uh, uh, this lady, Ajwanji, she was given an opportunity and now she wants to give back? And what ought our response be when someone gives to us? From the time that Jesus rides into town on the donkey, uh, you can see that in Mark chapter 11, verse 11, up until two days later, just before the Pharisees and Herodians test him, 
a common thread, a common thread runs through nearly every scenario over the next two days where we find ourselves now. Whether he was walking around uh, along cursing a fig tree in Mark chapter 11 verses 12 through 14 and 20, verses 20 through 21, whether he was driving money changers and sellers out of the temple, we find it in, which we find in Mark chapter 11, verses 15 through 17. Whether he was teaching that people should be forgiven in uh, Mark chapter 11, verse 25. Whether he was teaching a parable about a landowner giving land to his managers in Mark chapter 12, uh, verses 1 through 11. Whether he was attempting to get a message across to the religious, political, cultural, and educational rulers of that day that we see across, that again, threaded throughout the story in chapter 11, verse 18, and chapter 12, verse 12. In each of those scenarios, over the last two days that had taken place, there was a common theme running through from one story to the next. And he makes that theme very clear now, as he's now wrestling with this particular scenario that he's in. He's teaching false fans, Herodians, and Pharisees, he's teaching them something, and there was a common theme. In each one of these cases, the common theme is that God had given to something or someone, and now he expected something in return. That, that's the common theme in all of those stories. This is not what, you know, this is not what the scholars say. I'm just reading. I'm, I'm recognizing, oh, there's that common theme. God had given something to someone or something, and now he was calling upon them, expecting something in return. Yet we might say, uh, really, none of these gave God his due. For example, let's, let's walk through it. God gave life to the fig tree, through the soil, and he expected fruit on the return, yet it was fruitless. God gave people access to the temple, and he expected a house of prayer for all nations, yet in return, it was a marketplace. God gave forgiveness. He expected that we forgive in turn instead, and I don't know that they were doing that. God talked about, Jesus talked about the landowner who gave to his managers. He gave land to his managers, and he expected to receive it and receive the benefits of it when he returned. Instead, they attempted to steal it from him and finally to kill his son. And Jesus was talking about himself, by the way, in that parable as well. Uh, and then even to the religious, political, cultural, and educational rulers of that day, he expected that they should hear the redemptive story of Israel, of their nation, and be glad. And they should have been glad. After the thousands of years of, 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 of their living and God being merciful to them, even in their sin, he expected to, to give the redemptive story to, so that some of them would see the redemptive story. And ov overall, most of them didn't. There were a few Pharisees, a couple of scribes who did. And you'll see, even after you go home and read the story after this, You'll see one or two maybe got it, but the, for the most part, he expected them to experience the redemptive story of their nation and be glad and expect the following return. Instead, they plotted to kill Jesus in each of these scenarios. That's the common theme that God has given, and he expects something 
in return. I, I think we, just, we can just pause right now and just say uh, we, we, can, we can make a, a clear point, not a part of the message, but just as we, we think about what we see here, uh, we can learn something about God in this. Uh, one of the things we can learn about God in this is simply this. God gives. God gives. This is not part of the message. I just want to make sure this is like fries at the bottom of the bag, right? It's just, it's just good to know that we have a God who gives. We have a God who gives to us and wants to give to us and is merciful in his giving to us. Not that we deserve what we get. I mean, surely I don't deserve to be standing here before you. Uh, you, don't, you and I, we don't deserve to be sitting in these places right now. What we deserve, the scriptures teach us, is death. Yet God gave his son. Yes. Hallelujah. Yes. God gave his son so that, that anyone who believes in his son will have eternal life. Praise God. I love the, the next part of that. It's not, for God, this part of my 30 minutes too, God, God did not send his son. I'm messing with Mike here. God, I love John verse 317. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. God is a giving God. He's a saving God. And, and so we are grateful uh, for that. And, 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 but the common theme was that God gave and he expected something in return from each of these. And now here again, the Herodians and the Pharisees are coming up alongside Jesus. Jesus has now actually been in the temple uh, for, for, for the, it's the third day, it's Wednesday. It's the second day he's been in the temple. The first day after he had run through the palm, you know, they laid the palms before him. He runs down, you know, on the donkey. I say runs down. He's on the donkey. He gets to the temple. It's late. So the Bible says he turns back around, he goes back to Bethany with the disciples. But now the morning has come and he is walking back to the temple again. He gets to the temple um, and then, and, and that first Tuesday, the, the day before this, he spends that day kicking people out of the temple. That's, that's what Tuesday was about. Uh, there were money changers in the temple. There were chief priests around who was, were affirming all that was going on. But Jesus gets into the temple on Tuesday. He's kicking everybody out. Uh, another place in the Bible, and he's done this now that, you know, he did this at the beginning of his ministry. And now he's coming to the end of his ministry. And I don't know what you think about Jesus. I mean, let's be careful about it. You know, Jesus must have been somebody bad, you know, because the dude said he had like whips and, and, and was scourging people. Um, and I don't know about you. I mean, I'm, I might be in the, the temple selling, but you come hit me, me and you got a problem, I think. I think. And may, and, but but and, and truthfully, he did stir up a problem. Jesus came in the temple whipping people, making sure they got out of the temple on Tuesday. Now, Wednesday, as he returns in the morning, the major religious, cultural, political, and educational leaders, you can see that in verse 27 of 11, chapter 11 there, they meet him. And they question, who, who, who gave you authority to do what you're doing? Jesus won't answer him. He said, I got a question for you. He asked them his question. They couldn't answer. He said, well, I won't tell you what I'm doing either then. That's what he said. And, and he does this. And Jesus, you know, I mean, and, and, and I, I love this because it does give us a different picture of what we sometimes paint Jesus as. I'm not trying to paint Jesus as some mean dude or, or anything like that. I'm saying I, I love that the Bible gives us a straightforward picture of our Lord because it lets us know that, that you know, he give, it gives us a real picture and lets us know we can be real with a real God. 
That's why I appreciate that. So, so here, uh, they question, who's authorized you doing this? Jesus doesn't answer them. But then, then he tells a parable. He tells a parable. Now it's Wednesday. He doesn't answer their question. They leave. They, uh, he, excuse me. He tells a parable about wicked people who rob from the owner of the land and, and try and take his facilities and try and take the owner for everything he has, even killing their son. And these leaders clearly understand. They're, they're, not, they're not mixed about it. They understand when Jesus gives this parable, he's talking about them that you are the wicked servants who God has given. He's given Israel a platform, and you are the wicked servants who God has given the platform, and you've tried to take from God. You've tried to change God. You've tried to make God into what you want God to be. And Jesus tells this parable, and now they want to kill him. They want to kill him, but they can't because he's established himself as a man for the people, so, so they leave. They leave. But later that day, that same day, they send back to him people from two opposing groups, the Pharisees and the Herodians. Now, the Pharisees were the religious people of the day, and they actually were the rulers of the law of Judaism. And these people were, were sharp. They were, they were, they were uh, Paul, Paul, before when, when they used to call him Saul, was a Pharisee. He understood the law. He understood the Old Testament, what we would know as the Bible. He understood all of that. Um, the Pharisees, as I, as I shared earlier in a message I preached earlier this week, talked about uh, the, the, the one thing I, I tell you about the Pharisees is the Pharisees were kind of people who uh, they, were, they felt like they were so right with God that they could condemn other people who they did not feel were right with God. That was kind of the Pharisees, right? They cared about religion. They cared about God's stuff, at least in, in terms of what they knew the law to give them. That's, that's who they were. But they were not following God's righteousness. They were doing their own thing, shown by the fact that they allowed all these people in the temple, selling, marketing. It wasn't about prayer. It wasn't about holiness before God. It was about them having control. But not just the Pharisees, but the, the Herodians. The Herodians were not a religious group. They were, a, they were a, uh, a, a political group. Now, the Pharisees would say, we want the over, the, to, the, at some point, we want the Roman government to be overthrown. Now, they would work with the Roman government, not because they liked them. Um, in fact, they, they, they were only as, as, as fond of the Roman government as the Roman government allowed them to do their own thing. That's the Pharisees. But the Herodians were all about the Roman government. They were Jews, but they followed a guy named Herod Antipas. Now, there were like four Herods, and, this is, and three of them were the sons. And, and this particular son who's over this city, his name is Herod Antipas. And, and there were a group of people who looked at Herod Antipas, and they were, they were Herodians because they cared about Rome because Rome allowed them to essentially do what they wanted to politically. And it caused them a lot of wealth. Uh, and what you're looking at with these religious people and these politicians, you're talking about the people in power. You're talking about the people who have the wealth. You're talking about the gatekeepers. And if the Pharisees said you were evil, 
then you were evil, whether you were or not. That's why Jesus came and, and kind of challenged them. And if the Herodians said you could do business, then you could do business. But they had power. They had the power, the, the, uh, the, the power in the city who could manip to manipulate things, right? And so you wanted these two groups to affirm you. But Jesus comes, and he doesn't come with any favoritism for them. He doesn't come with any fanfare to say, you know, I, I'm trying to please the Pharisees. I'm trying to please the Herodians. In fact, the Pharisees did not really like the Roman government, and the Herodians did like the Roman government. Interestingly enough, these two never got along. But it's in this exchange that we learn a powerful lesson. Namely, this is the, this is the lesson we learned. If you don't get anything else, this is, the, this is the kind of the main point of the message here. That we should give back to God what belongs to God. That's, that's the message. Give back to God what belongs to God. And, and from the Herodians and Pharisees, we learn, though, three important humble acts that we can do if we're serious about giving back to God what belongs to God. Now, we learn from them, uh, kind of in a mirrored sense, they, they did everything that was wrong. And by, by, by them doing everything that was wrong, we get to see what we ought to do that is correct. That's how we're looking at this passage. So you and I, we have a responsibility God has given to us. And, and if we're going to truly give back to God what he deserves, we must do differently from what they did. Uh, if we're going to give back to God, we first must come sincerely. Come sincerely. Look at verse 13, and it says, And they sent to him some of the Pharisees and some of the Herodians, listen, to trap him in his talk. And they came and said to him, Teacher, we know that you're true, and you don't care about anyone's opinion. For you're not swayed by appearances, but truly teach the way of God. I'm telling you, if it weren't for reading it 2,000 years later, you'd have thought the OJs wrote that famous chorus just for them. What they do, they smiling in your face all the time they want to take your place. The, yeah, that's, that's, that's them. They're talking the game up to Jesus. They're talking the game up to Jesus. Friends, if you listen to their speech, you'd think, that these persons wanted to know the truth, that they wanted to know Jesus, but they came with ulterior motives. It's, it's important to know Jesus is not fooled by our trickery. It, it is a cliche, but it needs repeating. Uh, you can fool some of the people some of the time. You can fool most of the people most of the time, but you can't fool God none of the time. And, and God knows when we come to him with hearts of sincerity. God knows when we come to him uh, in, order to, in order to change us or in order to change him. Some come to God attempting to know him, but others come to God attempting to change him and change his way. Be aware that the scripture says in Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, I am the Lord, I change not. And, and, and that's good because later on, right, right after that, he says, that's why you sons of Jacob are not consumed. That's a good message for those Pharisees and the Herodians, these sons of Jacob, right? That, that, you're, that you're, you're not consumed, not because you've been good and you're so smart and you're so wise, 
but because God has been good to you. And that's a good message for us today, isn't it? Uh, we are not here and we don't sit. You didn't make your way to this congregation because you had your own mind to do it. Somewhere along the line, the faith that you have in Jesus Christ, by his grace, gave us the understanding now to get up this morning and get myself in here to worship God. Praise God for that. That's what we're here for because God got us here. God brought us here. And when you come to God, you must come sincerely. Second, uh, you ought to know uh, differently from these Pharisees and these Herodians, you can also bring your questions to Jesus. You can look at that in, in the second half of the 14th verse. It reads, they asked, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or should we not? They asked them those. Uh, obviously, the Herodians were all for paying taxes because they're like, hey, let's, let's, let's do this, you know, because the taxes that we pay, first of all, we can afford to pay taxes because we're wealthy. Uh, but, then, um, but then the taxes that we pay cause us to uh, give us the opportunity to do business here. Um, and then the Pharisees were against really paying taxes. Now, they would pay them. They had to pay them because they knew what would happen if you didn't pay them. They would come and crush you. But these two groups who were typically op opposing one another uh, somehow got on the same track. Now, the Herodians and, and, and Pharisees were on the right track but for the wrong reasons. There, there was nothing went wrong with the question they asked, but everything was wrong with the heart and the motive in which they asked it. And you know what that's like sometimes. You, you and I go to God sometimes with our own motives in mind, do we not? I mean, I'm talking about us as Christians from time to time, right? Now, I, mean, I mean, maybe not you, but the person next to you, right? That person, he probably goes to, to God with his own agenda sometimes, right? And, and that's not what God is desiring. Um, when we come to God, we want to be mindful that it's God's agenda. And it's a hard place to be sometimes. I've been there. You know, I've been there from time to time. I just don't want to do this. If I'm, if I'm honest as a Christian, there's, there are a couple of things. I don't like some things God says, and I don't like some things God asked me to do. Am I, am, am I the only one in here? That I, it's just real for me. I'm just, I'm just, maybe I'm not the one. I should be, I'm just telling. <laughs> that's just real for me. I mean, uh, it's, it's a real thing for me. And, and so we wrestle with those things. And it was not, you know, it was no different for the apostles. You know, G Peter had a real hard time accepting other people. And it took him several, several years, several times after he had raised people from the dead, after he had, um, you know, after he had done all these things, right? After he had been uh, filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues, um, after, after he had done all these things, he still had a hard time doing what God, what he knew God wanted to do, God's plan for his life. And sometimes that's the way it is with us. When we approach him, though, uh, in fact, uh, we need to make sure that we're, we're, we're having the right motive. In fact, when they came asking, Jesus already knew something was wrong because they don't even like each other. And then all of a sudden, they want to have a theology discussion group. They want to get in your connect group. And... and and I can hear Jesus in his Tony Baker uh, voiceover now when he saw this strange side of Herodians hanging out with the Pharisees. In my Tony ba Baker voice, I can hear Jesus saying, now what in the haberdasheries and hemoglobin is going on here? That, that's, that's what, y'all know Tony Baker? That's, he's funny. I thought, I, think I, was, I see a few hands. And, and, <laughs> yeah, the, and, and, uh, and, um, and, and I think Jesus knew already that there was some foolishness going on when these two groups came and approached them together as if they were friends, as if, as if they were friends and, if, and, and if, as if they were really reverencing him. 
They weren't. Listen, friends, Jesus does, though, care about your questions. It would have been fine if they had come with the right question and the right heart. He does care about your questions, and he cares about your misunderstanding, and he cares about your doubt. And God will meet you each. He will meet you in each one of those places. Uh, so, so, so I would just encourage you. Uh, bring it to Jesus. Bring your questions to Jesus. Um, bring your doubts to Jesus. Bring your misunderstandings to Jesus, and he'll meet you at each, each one of them. In fact, you don't have to just bring your questions, your doubts, and your misunderstandings. You can bring your sin to Jesus. You can bring your sin to Jesus. Jesus is, uh, the Bible says, his arms are still outstretched towards you. That's Jesus, right? Um, and, and that's even after we sin, right? That's, that's Jesus even after we sin. Sin is important. Um, it was important that we learn not to sin. But I want to always make sure we always, always, always keep the mercy and the grace and the blood of Jesus over sin. Yeah. That, that's what the scriptures teach. I'm, I'm, that's how I see, how I read the scriptures. The scriptures teach that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. And I, I, I read a little bit of Hebrew, a little bit of Greek. Um, I'm, I don't know if I got this right, but here's the way I think of it. All means all, and that's all, all means. <laughs> that, that if he cleansed us from all sin, uh -huh. th that is the past sin, the yeah. present sin, and the future sin, you can come to Jesus with your questions, your doubts, your misunderstanding, and all, by all means, bring your sin to Jesus. Bring it to him. He won't in any way, as the Bible says, cast you out. Only be careful. Be careful to see that the best lies and the best deceptions we tell ourselves always come with a dose of truth. And these Pharisees and Herodians didn't come in sincerity, but you can come in sincerity with your questions to Jesus. Finally, um, you need to come with reverence. Come with reverence to Jesus. If you're, going to, if you're going to give back to God, you want to come with reverence. Uh, Jesus, in verse 15, here it goes, says, But knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, Why do you put me to the test? Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. And they brought one, and he said to them, A denarius is about a day's wages, right? So maybe $50, right? Today, I think that same uh, you know, money, money would be probably in our day and age, maybe like $3, but it roughly is a day's wages, right? Um, and, and here, here, uh, they brought one, they, they brought one, and, and Jesus said, whose likeness and inscription is there on the denarius? And they said, Caesar's. Now the Herodians and Pharisees, the chief priests and scribes, they came to Jesus approaching him as if, so here's the problem with their approach. They approached him as if they were on his level. This, this was the problem, right? He, now, to be sure, to be sure, let's be careful, right? Um, we, we can approach Jesus, right? Um, we do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, Yet he did not sin. So let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So to be sure we can approach Jesus. Yeah. Look at somebody say, you can, you can approach him. Yeah, you need, no, you need to know that today. So because sometimes in our sin, we don't think we can approach him. 
And we don't think we can approach him because he is the one who did not sin. But look at somebody else on the other side who might be more receptive. Say, you can approach him. Yeah, you can go near Jesus even after you sin. In fact, may I say, when you sin, that's where you ought to go. May I say that to you? Because Jesus is there. He's accepting of you. And he, is changing. he can change you. He can transform you. That's the God we serve. The problem was these men and women, these, these people came to him as if they were on his level. They did not see who he was. They didn't come with any reverence. And while I can approach Jesus... While, while I can, uh, you know, get in my prayer room and, and, and act like nothing has gone on, it, it's, it's wise for me to make sure that I know who I'm talking to. It's wise for me to recognize that he's the king of kings and lord of lords. Uh, it's wise for me to recognize that this king of kings and lord of lords lowered himself on my behalf. Philippians chapter 2, go read it. It's a, it's a wonderful passage. You know, It's wise to recognize that that's the God we serve, but when I recognize it, God help us to approach you with reverence, to approach you knowing that you are the God who is above all. And it is precisely this reason uh, that you, you know, you're above all, but you've lowered yourself. It's precisely this reason that we should keep we, should, uh, owe a we owe a deep sense of reverence as we approach God. Finally then, what happens is these Herodians ask Jesus this question. They, they say, should we pay taxes or not? Trying to trap him. And Jesus said, why are you testing me? Bring me the inscription. Let me read it. When he reads it, when he sees what's on it, the, the, the picture that's on it, excuse me, the stamp that's on it, with the, the, with the Caesar's face on it, Jesus says, okay, okay, here's, let me tell you what you do. Uh, you give, you render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God. Now, now we might miss this in some of your Bibles because it does say render, and, and the word render is similar to the word give. Uh, the word render is not simply, though, give to Caesar things that are Caesar's. No, the word render, especially in the New Testament, differently from the Old Testament, the Old Testament, it more was like it was give. It was give, and sometimes it did have a return on it. But for the most part, the New Testament kind of shows it a couple of times where it's more clear. It's not just give to Caesar the things that are Caesar. It's give back to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Give back to God the things that are God's. So that, so that what Jesus was pointing out is you got this denarius and you think you got it from Caesar. But you didn't get that from Caesar. But if you think you did, go ahead and give it back to Caesar. You're, especially, and these, this would not have been lost on these Jewish men and women. Uh, no, no, you give to Caesar's what belongs to Caesar's and you give back to God what belongs to God. And these Jewish people would have recognized how much God has given them. These Jewish people would have recognized that it was God who chose them uh, from a smallest among nations and raised them up to consistently find themselves, uh, even through persecution, even through uh, domination, even through all of the mess that they had been through, in, in, that they brought up on, upon themselves. Uh, Jesus says, now, it, if, if Caesar gave that to you, you give that back to Caesar. But if God gave it to you, you give that to God. And some scholars say that, you know, what he's trying to do here is he's trying to make sure that he's, he's trying to tell us both pay your taxes 
and give glory to God. I actually don't think Jesus cared about taxes at all. I don't think that's what he was trying to do. I think he was trying to say to them, if you think that Caesar gave that to you, go ahead and give it back to Caesar. But if you know that God gave that to you, you need to be given back to God. You need to be given back to God. And that's why in the Old Testament, I think the psalmist write in Psalm 116, I don't have it here, but uh, he says, he says, uh, 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 he says, what shall I render? What shall I render to the Lord? I think I mentioned it earlier. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits toward me? I might as well uh, go to that, right? Psalm chapter 116, uh, and he says, what shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits toward me? Give me a break here so I can, uh, 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 we just read it together and, 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 and not pause too long. Um, he says, what shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have loosed my bonds, which the Jewish people would have understood. I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the house of the Lord, in your midst, O Jerusalem. And then he ends the psalmist with praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Uh, I don't know all that you might need to render to the Lord. But what I do know is you can render him some thanksgiving. You can say, thank you, Lord, right now. You can say it right now. I'm freeing you up. I'm giving you a cue. You can say it right now. You can say, Thanks, you, thank you, Lord. You can say, thank you, God, for all that you've given me. You can say that, thank you, God, for, for keeping my family. You can say, thank you, God, for allowing me to get here safely from church. You can say, thank you, God, for a roof over my head and clothes on my back and shoes on my feet. You can say, thank you, God, for the child that I thought was going one way, but somehow you turned him around. You can say, thank you, God, for a whole lot of things. You can say, thank you, God, for the sacrifice you've given me in your son, Jesus. Anybody glad to be saved this morning? Is there anybody who's glad to be saved this morning? I'm glad to be saved. I'm glad to be saved because I can say, thank you, God, for saving me. Because I don't deserve salvation. And even after I got saved, I don't know about you, after I got saved, I made a few mistakes here and there. Probably more than a few if I'm honest about it, right? Uh, but God has been good to us. We can give back to that God. We can be sincere and give back to that God. We can owe him reverence and we can bring to him our real thoughts, concerns, sin, and everything else. He's a God who cares about you. We don't have to be like these Herodians and Pharisees or people who are always trying to change God. We need to be open and, and so, 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 so hopeful and ready that God would change us. I got some things in my life that I need to be changed. Been walking with the Lord a while, but I still got stuff I need to be changed. And so I'm thankful to a God who loves me, a God who's merciful toward me. And I know that you, you are out there as well. You, you know it. You know it. I, I can hear you. Um, you know that this God doesn't have to be merciful to you. It's just in his DNA. I thank God for the new mercies he gives us every morning. It's just in him to do that. He doesn't have to do it, but he does it. So praise be to the Lord. 
You can say thank you. You can say praise the Lord. And, and here's what I want you to do today. Uh, in a few moments, I'm going to ask the prayer people to come forward here. Um, those, of, those who are praying, you can come on forward now. In a few moments, you're going to have an opportunity as the music plays. And you will be able to, to pray and, and bring whatever you need to to the Lord. I want to give you that opportunity. I want to just pray and close this message. The music is going to play and we're going to uh, have the opportunity to pray uh, right now. But Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you, God, that you're a God who you love us. You see us, Lord. You see all of us. You see the good, the bad, the ugly, Lord God. Yet, God, you've imparted your righteousness to us so that it's not our own righteousness that comes from the law, but it's the righteousness of God that we receive by faith. Thank you for the faith in Jesus Christ that you've given us, Lord God. And thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ who's shed his blood and seen us, Lord God. He's seen all of us and covers us anyway so that the death angel might pass over us. Lord, I know that even here in this place, Lord, there are some who need to bring their thoughts, bring their actions, bring themselves fully to you. For the one or two or however many you would choose, Lord, allow them to come and, and just know, God, that you're a God who has arms open wide. Thank you, God, for all that you have done. Thank you, God, for all that you are to us. Thank you, God, for your word in Jesus Christ. And may you transform us and change us to be people who are sure to bring you reverence, who are sure to bring you our very lives and questions and sin and who are sure to just look at you and recognize you are the God who certainly loves us. Have your way in us this morning, in Jesus' name, amen.